Thank you, Lord. Um, if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to be uh, in starting in Numbers chapter 13. So if you want to go ahead and go there, we're going to actually be looking at most of the chapter. I've got most of it on the, the screen tonight, but if you've got your Bibles and you want to follow along, it's uh, Numbers chapter 13. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Little Star Wars here again. So Numbers chapter 13 um, gives a story, and we're going to go through most of the story, and then kind of when we get to the part that we, we want, we'll, we'll really get into our message tonight. Um, you may be familiar with this. This is uh, bef- uh, before the Israelites. This is after the Israelites have left Egypt, but before they've gone into the promised land. And uh, this is some instructions that God gives to Moses so outside the promised land, but very, very close to them entering in. I mean, do I need to use the other microphone? Or? No, okay, all right. I don't know if it's, is it this thing that causes the problem? Anyway, okay. So um, if we start with Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And uh, I skipped the long list of all the leaders that so you money. So I spared myself having to try to pronounce all those names. Um, looks like I skipped more than that. But anyway, so God, you know, they, they choose the leaders. And, and then Moses sends them to explore the, uh, Canaan. He said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it a good or bad? What kind of land? Is it good land or bad land? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And it was the season for the first ripe grapes. So here the Israelites are on the outside of this land they've never seen before. It's the promised land. It's the land that God get, you know, told Abraham that he was going to give to his descendants. But this group of people has never been in it before. They have never been inside the land in the area that God has for them. And so God instructs Moses and Moses chooses the people and they gives them these instructions to go and see what it's like. And they're leaders, okay? These, these are the cream of the crop that are going in to see what the land is like. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob toward Libo Hamath. I didn't spare myself all the names. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahaman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had built, been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Anyway, so they go explore the land. We'll find out a little bit more about who those people were in a little bit. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Um, 
So they, they get the fruit, they go, they explore the land just like Moses has instructed them. And they come back after 40 days. So they, they, you know, they're walking, so, but they, you know, they went as far as they could in 20 days and came back. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. So who were outside, they were, hadn't gone in yet. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. Okay, remember? So they've got the cluster of grapes. They've got pomegranates. They've got figs. It's like, hmm And um, so if the story stopped here, it would be wonderful, but it doesn't. We go on. But the people... Okay, so first they tell about all the good things about the land, but then they keep going. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Those were the three names, the funny names. I'm not going to go back and try to butcher them again. But those were the sons that he listed. The sons of descendants of Anak are there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Okay, so there are people who live there. They're powerful. Their cities are fortified and very large. Okay, so they're talking to a group of people who've been a, who have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They're not warriors. They're not trained in anything other than brick-making and the things that they were, did when they were slaves in Egypt. And so they get this report about the people who live there. They're powerful. They have uh, walled cities that are fortified. And so this is what the people do. Then Caleb silenced the people. Well, first Caleb speaks up uh, before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Okay, so you've got one opinion here, Caleb, who says, let's go. Okay, let's go take the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. This is the promised land. This is the land that God brought them out of Egypt to go and experience. And the first thing they hear is they hear about how good the, good the food is, but then they hear how they will never experience the good things that God has promised them. But the men who had gone up with Caleb said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. See if I can turn my little wheel here. Am I going the wrong way? must have pushed the wrong button. Oh. Is Gershom back there still? Gershom, do you mind doing the mouse for me? Sorry about that. I could have warned you. So I, did, I pushed something on here, and it's not listening to me anymore. But I do have more slides. What's that? You think it's going to work? Oh, yes. okay. Thank you. Uh, there we go. And so they say, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of a great size, we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we looked the same to them. The land we explore devours those living in it. 
all the people we saw there are very great size. All the people we saw there are of a great size. We saw the Nephilim there, which you know, doesn't mean anything to us. I'll explain a little bit more about that. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we looked the same to them. So God goes to all the trouble to send Moses to the land of Egypt, does all these signs, wonders, and miracles, gets them out, brings them to the very edge of the promised land. These people go in and explore it, and out of the 12 people that go in, 10 come back with a bad report that says there's no way. There is no way we are ever going to experience the good things that God has promised to us. Two people, though, Caleb and Joshua, had a different report. They said, let's go. We can certainly take this. Ten on one side, bad report, can't do it. But look at their statement here. <clears throat> we're gonna, this is the part that we're going to really be spending some time on. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Eyes. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Now, we are in Oklahoma. Oklahoma has lots of grasshoppers. <laughs> They've been a little late this year, probably because the rains were, you know, not very much. But there's little tiny ones out there, and there's a few big ones. But so I think we're all a little bit familiar with grasshoppers here. Just think about that statement. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes, and that's how they saw us too. Let's take a little time and let's talk about the people that they're talking about. The Anak, if you go through the scriptures, they were giants. Giants were in the land. So when they're talking about that, you know, it's not something, we've got Shorty, you know, and there's a few people you can probably see on TV that are, you know, big stature and they do reality TV shows about them. They've got little people shows. I don't know if they've done a big people show yet. But anyway, um, you know, so we're kind of familiar with that. But in the scriptures, you can go back and you can read that there, there literally were giants. We read about that, David and Goliath. Goliath was a giant. He was of normal, above normal stature. Uh, there was a giant that they, when the Israelites actually go into the land and they start to, to take it, there's a person that they kill who is one of these people that it talks about, uh, the descendants of Anak and Nephilim, which we won't get into all the names and stuff. But his bed was 13 feet long. His bed was 13 feet long. So, you know, if you, even if you just said he was 12 feet, you know, and he had room for his pillow, or, you know, so his feet didn't hang off the bed, that's twice as tall as I am. And so when they talk about the people there being of great size, they were serious, okay? This isn't just made-up story, make-believe, you know, whatever. Um, Jack and the Beanstalk, whatever. Uh, it's, it's, they really did see people of great stature. But I can guarantee you it wasn't all the people. It says that all the people we saw there were of great size. Mm, probably not all, but they did see some that were. Um, now, um, remember, though, that even though these people may have been 12 feet tall, and that would be pretty intimidating, I'll be very, I'm very honest with you, even to just walk up for me, even though I'm not a small, small person, to walk up to somebody of Shorty's stature, you know, I mean, we're kind of blessed here in this congregation to have Shorty because, you know, he comes in so handy for so many examples. <laughs> but it gives us something so real for us to relate to because we see it. And so, um, you know, 
so it had to be intimidating for them to see these big giant people in their walled cities. And, and the question that they had, you know, they seemed like grasshoppers in their own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now, I don't even know if they crawled out of behind any rocks to let the other people see them or not. But they had this attitude that the other people were just like, nah, you guys are just grasshoppers. What do you do to a grasshopper if you don't want it around? You know, we did a lot of last week. We did some stepping on stuff. This week, we've got some stepping on stuff again. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. So the question tonight, you know, is do we have grasshopper thinking? Remember, there's a few things that, that even as I study this, the reality of it, it just, it just hit me as I was just going through the scriptures one more time with you guys tonight. And I'm going to just bring it out one more time because it just hit me. These people had never been in the promised land. They had never experienced the goodness of God. You know, now that was them. They lived in Egypt. They were slaves. You know, God had to deliver them, bring them all the way over. You know, but I'm just like, as we go through this message tonight, it's like, Lord, we're your church, but have we experienced the good things you have for us? As we go through this, we'll see where God's wanting to go with this. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. I had fun going through the internet and finding pictures of grasshoppers. So, you know, we seemed like grasshoppers. Those are people, and there's a grasshopper. But if that was the grasshopper was normal size, those people are going to be really small. You know, so stop and think about what that means. So that picture that we just had of the people and the grasshopper, that's how small they saw themselves. You know, it's, it's a little hard to see here. I'd go over the fact I had a laser pointer. I could point at it. But the little white rectangles there at the foot of this big giant, those are the people. That's how small they saw themselves. Now, if I, I calculated it out, you know, so if it's like, okay, if these people really were the size of grasshoppers and these giants were as big as they said they were, they would be like 130 feet tall. <laughs> now, you know, Dr. McMurtry's not here tonight, but, you know, I don't remember him saying anything about 130-foot-tall people living in the past. And as far as I know, nobody's ever found anything. So, were they exaggerating a little bit? Okay, so, but is that sometimes how big sometimes our problems can seem and how big we are compared to our problems that we have? So, but, it's, but it had to do with perspective. It had to do, Pastor Virginia's not here to root me on tonight, but it had to do with the core value they had of how they saw themselves. How did they see themselves? They saw them as a little tiny grasshopper that anybody around them could just step on. That's how they saw themselves. Let's let it sink in. <laughs> That is how they saw themselves. And they believed. Now, I don't know if they really went up to anybody and asked them, you know, do you, how big, what do you, how do you see me, you know? You know, and if they've actually told them, we see you, it looks like a grasshopper, you know? It's not the old TV show from the 70s about grasshopper, but anyway. You know, we seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes. We looked the same to them. But that was their perception. That was their reality. That was their reality. 
didn't matter what the truth was. Even if these people were 12 feet tall, 13 feet tall, it didn't really matter. How big are the giants in your life? How do you see yourself compared to the things that challenge you? Now, for some of us, we've got huge challenges, big challenges. Life is not fun a lot of the time. Life is not fair <laughs> a lot of the time. There are things that happen that they become just like those giants. And when we're talking about what we're talking about tonight, you know, we're talking about area and territory. So we can say, that, you know, this podium, you know, don't have Shorty in here tonight to be a giant to guard this. But if this was a promise, you know, we used to play uh, tag. Uh, and, you know, if you could touch base, you were safe. So if this was base tonight, but you had a person who was guarding it to keep, you know, keeping you from touching base, that's kind of what we're talking about. You know, and the things in our life, is it health? Is it healing? Is it wholeness for, for our own body? Is it wholeness for our soul? Is it a family situation? Is it a loved one? Is there a giant who is guarding that and keeping either yourself or a loved one from entering in to the promised land? Something guarding it? Sometimes the giants are just ways of thinking. <laughs> People believe stuff that's crazy sometimes. How big are the giants in your life? And how do you see yourself compared to that giant? Is it this insurmountable obstacle that you, like the, the people who gave the report, said there's no way. They're strong, they've got fortified cities, they're giants, and we're just grasshoppers. I don't care that God promised us this, whatever it was, health, healing, wholeness, salvation for family members, loved ones, anything of victory, even just getting out of debt can seem like an insurmountable giant. It doesn't matter that God promises to us if we see that there's a giant in the way. Are we ever going to challenge that giant? How big are the giants in your life? How big do you see yourself? How big? So this would be how, the, how big the giants really were. Okay. The picture and the bottom is the little grasshopper. Again, it's hard to see. You might be able to see it if you turn the lights completely off. But if they were 12 feet tall or 13 feet tall, that's how big they would be. The guy on the right. Love. I don't know. The guy in the red. Let's do that. <laughs> this is too confusing to try to do right and left right now. The guy in the red is be how big the giants were if the people in the white box were six feet tall. That's still pretty big. That's still pretty, pretty intimidating. But it's not as big as a grasshopper. And the real question was not how big are the giants. That's not the real question. The question is, is how big is your God? See, Caleb and Joshua, they somehow, we know about Joshua. Joshua was Moses' assistant. Joshua got to see firsthand some amazing stuff right at Moses' side. We don't really know how Caleb ended up with the faith that he had. But Joshua, we can see that he, you know, it says that Moses went in and out of the place where they met God. 
But it says that Joshua stayed. It's just like, oh, it gives me chills. He stayed there with the ark that they had made. And, and when Moses met God, he, Moses had to go out and care, care, care about, the, you know, take care of business with the Israelites. But not Joshua. Joshua got to stay in that place. In that, you know, so Joshua had some sort of experience with God that he knew how big his God was. Caleb, we don't really know all of his story. We don't know what happened that made him this great man of faith. But Caleb had no question. We certainly can do it, he says. We can certainly, let's go, you know, let's go take this land. <clears throat> but that wasn't, I don't know. I'm not even going to go through the rest of the story, but I, I will tell you this. We're not going to go into the next chapter. But God doesn't like it when people do the bad report thing. If you go into the next chapter, just kind of just throw it out there as a teaser. See what happens to the people that brought the bad report. Just don't be one of those people. That's all I can say. Don't be one of those people. Joshua and Caleb, we know they go into the promised land. So um, grasshopper thinking, grasshopper thinking. You know, um, we've been talking about sonship. We've been talking about our identity, uh, who we are in Christ Jesus. And if we allow the truth of God's word to begin to shape our thinking, it will remove and push out that grasshopper thinking. You know, tonight, God always sets up these things so well. But tonight, we just, you know, just, just stood in the presence of God. You know, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. The more we realize that, we'll realize that it doesn't matter how big those giants are. That was David. We talk about David and Goliath. David knew the Lord is my shepherd. He had absolutely no question who was on his side. David didn't go out there in his name. He didn't go out there in his strength, even though he probably was a really good marksman and a good soldier and all those things and practiced and trained and did all the things that he should do in the natural. But he went in the name of the, he went in the name of the Lord. I don't, he said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. It's Samuel 17 if you want to read about it. And in our lives and in our situations, if we can move from that place of being an orphan to where God doesn't care about us, fatherless, abandoned, just out there with the ringing, <laughs> to the other side when we're his loved children, his loved sons, his loved daughters, that he would do absolutely anything for us. Did I go completely away? No. Um, who he would do absolutely anything for. Just let that sink in. A lot of you are parents. That's, again, I, you know, come from my experience. I'm a new parent. <laughs> There's not anything. I mean, I'm just a parent of only three months, not even four months yet. It's like, you know what? Just let somebody even look at my son crosswise, <laughs> you know? Like, I don't, you know, I, I have, you guys have such reserve and respect because you've got, you know, all these kids and stuff. And I'm just like, wow, you know, but don't mess with your kids. 
if we can move from that part where we feel that God really doesn't love us and doesn't care about us because we've messed up and we've sinned and we've, you know, we're blah, 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 blah. If we can move from that place over to the place where we know how much he loves us, just like we sing about. <laughs> when we get to that place, there will be absolutely no question that the things that he's promised us, he will help us to get to, no matter how big the giant is. It doesn't matter how big the giant is. You know, David wasn't even a huge person. And God, is, God likes to take the little things to beat up <laughs> the big things. God loves to do that because the world looks at those things and say, how did they do it? There's no explanation except for God. And then he gets all the glory. So let's just kind of go back and review a little bit of this stuff. So um, they seemed like grasshoppers in their own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And so the enemy, now I'm talking about not their actual physical enemy, but their spiritual enemy, had done a really good job of convincing them they were nothing. And no matter who we are in our lives, we have an enemy who doesn't like us at all. And he takes a lot of time to bombard us from the time where we little whatevers, infants, all the way up to where, to where we are now of how worthless we are, how no good we are, we'll never amount to anything. Sometimes we hear it from people's vis physical mouths. A lot of times we just hear it in our thoughts. And he'll try to convince us that the things that God has promised us we'll never, ever experience. And that we <laughs> are just like a little grasshopper, you know, that's all we amount to. But that's the enemy. That's not our God. That's not our God. They seem like grasshoppers in their own eyes. How big is your God? How big is your God tonight? Let's take a look at some scriptures to just, you know, and, the, and this is just a few. Um, before I do, though, there's probably something that I should share. Uh, well, yeah, let's go to the very end, and then we'll come back. Before we go into the scriptures from the New Testament that talk about us and talk about where we are, and if we have any of that little bit of that grasshopper thinking, you know, we've got some really good scriptures tonight to kind of boot that on out the door. But before we do, um, you had a whole nation of Israel, you know, so we were, you go back to our story from Numbers chapter 13. You've got this, this whole nation on the outside of the promised land, and of that generation... And you're talking about millions of people. Only two went in. All the children, you know, below a certain age, you know, they grew up and then they went into the promised land. But all the older people and the 10 leaders who had the bad report, which you'll have to read on your own in the next chapter to find what happens to them. But of, the, but of all those people, Joshua and Caleb, when you go through the scriptures, and, and it's just, it's so God. If you look in Joshua, I've got the scripture references down there in 15, 13, verses 13 and 14, in Joshua 21, Judges chapter 1. But you will find that Joshua and Caleb, the people who believed they could, the people 
who believed they could were the people who took the very land that the giants owned. The very property. It's, it's just like, out of all this huge nation, and they divide it up between all these people and all these different tribes. But when they start dividing out the land, it was Joshua and Caleb who got the very property. I didn't go into a lot of time between Anak, but, you know, so you've got this giant and you've got his three sons. Call them bullies if you want, but the, they have the best. That's how it works <laughs> in the world. The bigger, the meaner, the stronger, you take the best. That's the property the giants owned. And that is the very property that Joshua and Caleb received. And they had to kill giants to do it. But they didn't have any problem. Caleb was 80 years old. And he was beating up the giants. Okay? I'm not 80 yet. <laughs> I've got a few years to go. I'm like, Lord, let me still be taking on some giants when I get to be 80. But the very land, the very property, the best and the finest of the land. But this is the part that I really, 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 really want you to get. And here tonight, it wasn't just for Joshua and Caleb. It was for their children and their children's children and their children's 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 children. It was their family's inheritance forever. Okay? Get this tonight. Whatever the giant is that is facing you and confronting you and saying, you will never overcome me, you will never defeat me, whatever that is, it is also going to stand and shout and scream and defy the next generation. Now, you can either, we can either rise up and kill that giant and let it become what he is holding on to, whether it's prosperity, whether it's health, whether it's the salvation of our family members, you know, healing, restoration for marriages, whatever it is, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is. And whatever it is, it becomes not just yours, but for your children and your children's children. There is freedom. There is deliverance. There is more than enough of anything you could ever desire of the good things of God. Waiting. Waiting. God's waiting too. <laughs> he had to wait 40 years before Joshua and Caleb finally, you know, all the conditions were right and they went in. But once they took the land, once they killed the giants, it was theirs and their children's and their children's children's. That's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. How many of us walked through some really stupid places in our youth and we watch our children make the same bad choices. It doesn't have to be that way. We can stand up with God's help. Okay, remember this isn't about us being, you know, David was little. 
Joshua and Caleb were probably great warriors, but God was on their side, and they knew that God was on their side. Those, those cycles, those chains, those giants can be broken. The promises of God, the freedom, the liberty, all the things that God has. Salvation is, you know, someday maybe I'll be able to teach on it, but salvation is this huge package. It's really, really big. And it includes every, you know, the scripture says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Every good and perfect gift. He doesn't leave anything out. He's not stingy. He doesn't scrimp. I guess he's not Scottish. That doesn't sound good, though. Anyway, but he's generous. So, Big point, big, big point of what the Lord's wanting us to receive tonight. If we will rise up, if we will rise up, if we will face the giants like the TV show or the movie, it becomes not only ours, but for our families. I, I don't know, it's just so big in the spirit that that's something that the Lord is really, really wanting for this house. He wants whatever ground we take to stay taken for a long time. For a long, long time, for a long, long time, so that our children can grow up in a whole different world, in a whole different place, in a whole different reality, and never have to go through the, the junk that, that we may have had to go through. All right, so let's go through this. Let's just take a few of the scriptures, and again, these are going to be real, real familiar because these, these get preached on about a lot. But anyway, and again, you could take a lot more in Romans 8 besides just this one verse, but I just pulled this one. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, there's a song that we've been singing. Ever since the first of this year, you know, there was, you know, it's, it's, it's well, I've been hearing it from the first of the year because it, we used it in the, in the, you know, review of last year for that, for the video that uh, we, sh we showed of all the things that took place last year. And so from the first of this year, I've been working on that and I've been hearing this song. And in the song, it has... If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, it's something, you know, that song is our song. That scripture is our scripture. If God is for me, who can be against me? Doesn't matter how big the giant is. It doesn't matter how many generations that giant has stood and laughed at people in our family. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. If God be for us, who can be against us? So the next time <laughs> you have an assignment, the next time that song is sung in this house, when you get to that part and you're singing those words and it's, it's just ooh, begin to see those giants falling. Begin to see God being bigger on your side that no matter what the problem is, no matter what the situation is, no matter how impossible it seems, God is bigger if he is for you, who can be against you? Let's go on. There's a whole bunch more. 1 John 4, 4, again, familiar scriptures. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
It's not about how big we are. And I'm glad. Again, the gospel is this great equalizer. Doesn't, nothing about us matters in there. What matters is the greater one in us. That's God. Bigger, greater, stronger. I'd like to see anybody arm wrestle God and win. They're not going to do it. 1 John 5, 4, and again, you could go through the rest of the chapter, 1 John 4, and find a bunch more. But, but this is the one, you know, 1 John 5, 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, tonight, anybody here born of God? Anybody who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We all have permission according to the Scripture. And repeat after me. I am an overcomer. I am one who overcomes. Sounds good, huh? But even in the face of that, we can still be going, yeah. Because <laughs> you know, the giant's still there. <laughs> but that, you know, but if we will take the time to take these scriptures, to go through the scriptures, and if I'm serious, if you're facing something, that is what we are here as a pastoral staff. If you don't know where these places are in the scriptures, come. That's what we're here for. You know, the Lord will bring about the scriptures and and, you know, the things will come out, you know, even if you don't come to us, God is so concerned and so interested in getting the word to you and bringing you the things that you need, that he'll bring it to you through a television show. He'll, he'll get it to you. But if you don't want to wait, <laughs> you, know, you know, come, knock on the door, call, whatever, and, and we can, can help find out, you know, and, and help to get to that place. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I didn't go through it tonight, but if you go through uh, the couple chapters in Revelations where uh, it's the letters to the churches, you'll see a phrase in there over and over and over, and I didn't go through it tonight to, to just really make that point, but I'll just tell you in the first the couple chapters in Revelations where Jesus is speaking to the churches and he uses this phrase over and over and over. He says, to him that overcomes, I will give blah, 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 or do this. But he uses that phrase, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes. That's what he really, that's his heart for us. When we were born again, it wasn't to be wimpy, sorry, you know, the grasshopper. It was to be an overcomer. It was to be an overcomer. And no matter what it is that life has thrown at you, thrown at your family, whatever those challenges, whatever those obstacles are, no matter how ugly, that they, they can be, God is bigger. God is bigger. God is bigger. 
And if you meet those two simple qualifications, believe in Jesus being the Son of God, you've been born of Him. God has set you up. God has set all of us up. You know, I didn't use the scripture, but in Romans chapter 8, it says, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And maybe, you know, we have the option of kind of scraping through this life and never experiencing any of that, getting to heaven, and then, you know, kind of jumping on the bandwagon at that point. But we also have the opportunity here in this life, here in the rotten here and now, to experience the promised land, to take whatever smooth stones that the Lord would give us, put them in our sling, slay those giants that stand guarding the promises of God for us and for our family. For us and for our family. Um, let's stand tonight. We might finish just a minute or two early, but it's not a crime. Yeah, why don't you pray? That sounds great. Thank you. I haven't learned all the cues. There's a certain hand signal that Pastor Eric does, and I watched it, and I was like, ah, that's what he does. That's when he lets him know that it's time to go up. Oh, God, you are so good tonight. God, you are so good. Mm. So, Father God, tonight, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we stand before you, as we stand before you, Lord, Lord, we, we stand before you, Lord, not only as individuals. Lord, we also stand before you, many of us, Lord, as heads of families, as members of families. And Lord, yes, it goes on from there, but Lord, we'll just, we'll just keep it there. We'll just keep it there tonight. Father, tonight, I am asking that in the name of Jesus, Lord, that that place, you know, Lord, I know that I've shared tonight and I trust God that you have made it clear what those giants are. The promises that they stand and guard. Lord, I know that I've been using picture words, but in the name of Jesus, I ask, Lord, that those pictures be so clear. Lord, that whatever it is, Father, of your promises, Lord, that are there before your people tonight, as individuals and as families, Lord, that they would see those. They would see, God, that you did not place those in your word to taunt them, to torment them, to tease them, but you place those promises there so that they could be experienced. They could be possessed. Father, tonight, make it clear. Make it clear to us, your children, what you have for us. What you have for us, Lord. And Father, tonight, Lord, many of us are already very aware. And we probably even know the names of the giants, Lord, who stand in opposition who taunt and tease. Mm. Help. Giants of poverty. Giants of unworthiness. Giants of fear. Giants of we've never done that before. 
giants if that's never, ever been something my family has ever experienced. Giants of drugs. Giants of alcohol tonight. Whoa. Giants of abuse. Father, tonight, I thank you, Lord, that greater are you that is in each one of us. Greater are you that is in each one of us tonight than whatever the name of the giant is that stands and confronts us. And so, Father, tonight, Lord, we believe we receive, Father God, that in the name of Jesus, you will propel us forward into victory. That you will propel us forward, Lord, into victory. Father God, tonight, I just ask, Lord, that you begin to bring into our thinking, Lord, the hope and the expectation. Lord, let us begin tonight to dream dreams for our families, for ourselves, for our children and our grandchildren of things that, of, of great things, of good things that we maybe have never known before, but are clearly promised in your word. Places of peace, places of prosperity, places of wholeness, places of freedom places of freedom, Lord. And Lord, (laughs) I ask, Father God, that you place in us such a hunger and such a desire for the good things of God, Lord, that we would not let anything stand in our way. That we, Father God, with your help, Lord, would confront whatever the obstacle is, In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I just want to tell you tonight that education.